Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. You know what? There's adult content ahead and you've been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and the unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, Relax and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, I'm going to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit down and quite truthfully angry with all the stupid that's going on in the world. So I felt like a little mystery might be appropriate. I hope you agree. So with that said, my darlings, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. So the choice of libation is yours. So make sure to choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say bike or any form of bike, that's going to be a single shot. And every time I say New Mexico, that's going to be a double shot. All right. I know you guys are scratching your head on that one. Now that we got the business in out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma and the bizarre unsolved case of the disappearance, abduction, disappearance. No, I don't know. Of Tara Coleco. On the morning of September 20th, 1988, 19-year-old Tara Calico left her home in Berlin, New Mexico to embark on a 36-mile bike ride along New Mexico State Road 47. The events of that morning weren't particularly unusual, at least according to Tara's mother, Patty Dowell. Her daughter biked this route almost daily. Before leaving around 9.30 a.m., Tara asked her mom to come get her if she wasn't home by noon because she had plans with her boyfriend. Patty agreed and unknowingly said goodbye to her daughter for the very last time. When she didn't return by noon, Patty set out to find her. After driving back and forth twice, there was no sign of Tara along her normal route. Now, I have to tell you, first off, I'm going to stop this story right there, that I grew up in Texas, right there on the New Mexico border, and in 1988, I was a little bit young, but I remember that this story was on the news. My mother wouldn't let me watch it, so you can imagine reading about this now kind of freaks me out a little bit. Anyways, as panic set in, Patty called the Valencia County Sheriff's Department to report her daughter missing. For weeks, investigators searched the area. Local and state police, as well as hundreds of volunteers, combed the area on foot, horseback, four-wheelers, and even planes. The only evidence they found were pieces of Tara's broken Sony Walkman and bike tracks. Her stepfather, John Dole, recalls that the track marks looked more like skids, 
perhaps a sign of a struggle. Although no one witnessed an abduction, seven people later reported that they saw Tara riding back toward her home at roughly 11.45 a.m. She was said to have her headphones on, and multiple witnesses recalled an older model pickup trailing behind her. It's believed that the truck was pulling a shell camper. In the first nine months since Tara disappeared, this was the only information that investigators had gotten. Until June of 1989, when a very strange development swept the nation. A woman in Port St. Joe, Florida, spotted a gruesome Polaroid photo in the parking lot of a convenience store. The picture showed a young woman and a boy bound in the back of a van with duct tape covering their mouths. The police were immediately contacted and the woman told them that a windowless Toyota cargo van was parked there when she entered the store. She described the van's driver as a man with a mustache who appeared to be in his 30s. Officers set up roadblocks, but the vehicle was never found. Polaroid officials confirmed that the picture had to be taken after May of 1989 because the type of film had, they had used had just recently been made available. The picture was shown on a current affair the following month. Friends watching the show contacted the Doles, noticing similarities between Tara and the girl in the photograph. Relatives of Michael Henley, a nine-year-old boy who went missing in New Mexico in May of 1998, also saw the episode and thought that the boy resembled Michael. The Doles and the Henleys met with investigators to examine the picture. Patty Dole and Henley's mother both asserted that the picture was of their children. Tara had a scar on her leg that was identical to the woman in the picture. Patty also pointed out a visible copy of My Sweet Audrina by V.C. Andrews in the Polaroid, which was Tara's favorite book. The Doles had the photo analyzed by Scotland Yard, who said that it was Tara. But the Valencia County District Attorney sent it to the Los Alamos National Laboratories, who said that it wasn't Terra. An FBI analysis came back inconclusive. Michael Henley's remains were eventually found in the Zuni Mountains in 1990, roughly seven miles from the campsite where he had disappeared two years earlier. This discovery cast immediate doubt that he was the boy in the photograph. Foul play was later ruled out, and it's presumed that Michael died of hypothermia. For nearly two decades, the unsolved case of Tara Calico went cold, in fact, frigid. But in the years since 2008, several odd circumstances have thrust her story back into the spotlight. And here are some of the most recent de developments. So we're going to start with 2008, Renee Rivetta of Valencia County Sheriff, who joined the department the year after Tara went missing, claimed to know what happened in an article for the Valencia County News Bulletin. He says he learned that two men, possibly teenagers, who knew Tara, were driving behind her and accidentally hit her bike. That He thinks that they panicked, drove off with Tara, and killed her. He alleges that two other men were involved after the murder and have knowledge on the location of Tara's body. And he stated, 
We do have a case put together, but we want to make sure that this case is as concrete a case to be, to where we'll be able to effectively do our jobs. We're just waiting to get a little more evidence, her bicycle, her clothing, or even her body itself, Rivera was quoted as saying in the article. Unfortunately, Patty Dole died in 2006. John Dole learned of Rivera's statements through the media and, well, ridiculed the announcement, questioning why the sheriff would comment without enough evidence to make an arrest. And, of course, as of that date, no arrests have been made, and Rivera has not publicly named any suspects. But according to the article on the Investigation Discovery website, Rivera still maintains this theory, going so far as to say that the boys' families could have been involved in the cover-up. And that brings us to 2009. Port St. Joe Police Chief David Barnes received a photograph of a young boy with black marker drawn over his mouth, made to look like the 1989 photo. Barnes was mailed a second letter containing an original image of the boy. On the day that Barnes' second letter was postmarked, the Star newspaper in Port St. Joe received the same image of the boy with marker over his mouth. As the Star was turning their letter over to police, the Gulf County Sheriff's Department was dealing with another odd coincidence. That day, a psychic called and reported having visions of the case. The woman claimed Tara was buried in California and described a blue Oldsmobile car. Authorities dismissed her account, but they did note that it was peculiar timing. Which brings us up to 2013. The case was reopened by local and federal agents. A six-person task force was selected that included agents from Homeland Security, the New Mexico State Police Department, the Valencia County Sheriff's Department, the Albuquerque Police Department, and the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office. A deathbed confession was taken by a man named Henry Brown. Brown told police that his neighbor, Lawrence Romero Jr., and several friends op openly discussed killing Tara on the day that she went missing. Romero's father was the Valencia County Sheriff at the time of Tara's disappearance. Dum, dum, dum. No, I'm kidding. That brings us to 2019 and this past October. The FBI announced a reward of up to $20,000 for anyone who had information that would lead to the location of Tara Calico or the arrest of those responsible for her disappearance. They, in addition, released an age progression photo showing what, what Tara could possibly look like now. It is note, it's worth noting that two additional Polaroids have been associated with the case. One was found near a construction site in Montecito, California. The film was made after June 1989. The other was taken on film available after February 1990. The first photo is very blurry, but Patty Dole believed it could be her daughter because the girl appears to have a cowlick and amblyopia in one eye, as Tara did. The second is widely regarded as a hoax. Had she not been tra tragically taken so soon, Tara would have celebrated her 51st birthday on February the 28th. Her family maintained hope that she would someday be found alive, but John Dole and Tara's brother Chris know it's unlikely that she's still out there. 
In 2018, Chris discussed Patty's heartache with People magazine, and I quote, Mom really did not want to believe she was dead, period. Patty spent the rest of her life asserting that the girl in the Polaroid was Tara. It was her glimmer of hope that she would someday be reunited with her daughter. And something to think about, this case has been unsolved for over 30 years. But it's anything but cold. And perhaps 2020 is the year that Tara and the Doles finally get their well-deserved justice. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of our episode. I will thank you for joining me here today, and I do hope that you'll take a little time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows, you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line, let me know what's going on. If you're bored out of your mind like I am, still stuck at home, then you know what? send me an email because I do reply to all emails and I'm just as bored as you are. And on that note, my darlings, that's all the time that we have. And I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.